Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our childhoods to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poling-Clark, and with me is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Oh, hello. And today our guest is Jenna Z. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Uh, so Jenna chose the 1991 movie, The Addams Family, which follows the Addamses, uh, a wealthy and darkly eccentric family, as con artists try to steal their money. And I think we'll talk a lot. I had a hard time writing down that plot uh, in one <laughs> sentence. And we'll, so we'll get into the plot a little bit more. Um, but first, Jenna, why did you choose this movie? Um, I think that it's a perfectly delightful, uh, dark movie, and, uh... Well, it's a, it's kind of an unfair premise to ask her why she chose this movie, because I gave her a few choices, and this was the one that she, <laughs> she picked. Jenna happens to be one of my oldest friends, and one of my spookiest friends, so I knew that I wanted her on one of our Halloween episodes, and she didn't really have anything off the top of her head to pick, so I think I gave you, like, Beetlejuice, The Addams Family, and maybe, like, one or two others, and you picked this one. Yeah. But, Jenna, you had seen this before, yes? Yeah, I had seen it before, and then I just recently watched it again. Um, a couple when of times, When did you actually. first see it? Um, I think, like, when when I was a kid, I first saw it. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've been into the spooky and the, the horror and, and all of that since I was a kid. So it, you know, it was definitely one of those, I guess, sort of staples, um, in childhood. And Kara, you had seen this before, yes? Yes. Although, um, before I rewatched it, I think I conflated both the plot of the Adams Family and Adams Family Values, which is the sequel, into like one movie in my head. So it was good to see it again and like figure out which parts go with which movie. I did that also. And I was like, wait, is this the one with the Thanksgiving play in it? And it wasn't which I was really disappointed by when I Googled that in the middle of the movie because that's the best part of Adam's Family Values. But it is the one with uh, where Wednesday and Pugsley do an abridged version of Hamlet on stage and just spray blood all over the audience, uh, which just makes me it. laugh out loud so hard every single time. I also laughed so hard when that happened. Um, so... Yeah, and I, so I have also obviously seen this movie before. Um, it made me have, like, like the feels, the feels that we talk about when we, when we, like, do this podcast and really, like, see something that we used to watch all the time as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, I had that from this, and I don't even remember watching this all that much, but I think it just came out at a time where I was, like, really susceptible to, like, marketing and like just like whatever was happening and I think they like marketed the shit out of this like I think they did like promotions with like McDonald's mm -hmm. and like um so it's just like inside me somewhere this movie yeah I, it comes from like this huge like the the Adams Family property over like from the original cartoons which debuted in the New Yorker in 1938 like up through the late 90s, there's been, um, like, the the original cartoons, there was the TV series in the 60s, um, some animated versions of it, and the Addams Family and Addams Family Values. There were, like, a ton of video games, and even uh, the Addams Family Pinball Machine, which was a commercial arcade pinball machine made by Bally Williams, and was released in March 1992. It became the best-selling pinball machine of all time. So, like, this was really everywhere throughout the 90s, not just the movies, but the animated series and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, it made me think about, like, like they're rebooting so many things now, and it feels like they're, like, not even waiting very long to, like, reboot them anymore. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, it's been five years. Let's make another Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the um, window is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, so then I wondered, like, I guess, like, our parents would have could have watched the TV show when they were young, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
what must they have thought of this? Like, was this annoying to them or like whatever? I don't know. I don't have any adults to ask, but it made me think about that. I do actually remember watching the Adams family with my parents. I remember it was like on Nick at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching the Adams family and also the, the monsters. monsters. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, I don't uh, know. I, Were you in my fourth grade class? <laughs> I don't remember I don't know. if we had the same teacher or not, but like I, that year. And I think I I said this on like one of the recent episodes too that like kids in my class would watch Nick at Night, especially not so much like the Adams Family and the Monsters, but more so Happy Days, and like come in mm-hmm. the next day and talk about the episodes as if they were like <laughs> brand new. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I I actually don't remember. I remember. Uh, I don't remember talking about the Adams Family with any of my friends when I was a kid. I think it was like something that just me and my parents used to watch mm. um but yeah i actually had no idea that it was a cartoon originally i had no idea that it was a comic strip yeah well they're all like single panel kind of gags like um most new yorker cartoons are and they're great i actually was like looking through some of them today they're really good i have to take a it, look at those i i didn't look at them because you're much better at researching than i am <laughs> I, I thought about it, didn't do it, um, but I wondered, like, were there parts of this movie that came directly from those? Because, yep. like, a lot of this movie feels like it, like, so, it's just, like, one-liners. Like, it could be a comic panel, mm-hmm. some of the parts of this. Yeah, a lot, there are a lot of gags that were taken from the original cartoons. Even the, the movie opens with, like, the Christmas carolers coming by, and they dump like a big vat of hot oil on them from the roof (laughs) that was actually um one of the original cartoons so that's just like one example of many um and when this movie finally came out there was like a big lawsuit because of um i guess they had purchased the rights to the original cartoon but there was something about the Um, TV series and the executive producer of the TV series sued the makers of this film because some of the elements of the movie had taken from the TV series and not the original comic and so like I don't know they settled out of court who knows but it was like one of those weird like rights things Hmm. I love how like speaking of the uh, speaking of you know spilling the spilling the oil on the carolers i love how they do the most malicious things but it's it's like all in fun and games it's Mm -hmm. like you know they do it like they do it with the biggest smile on their face they're so delighted and somehow nobody dies i mean in the family i really really like them as a family like there are so many things to like about them like they're um not like everyone's super judgmental about them Mm -hmm. but they're not super judgmental about other people like they're really nice to everybody yeah (laughs) and like really warm and inviting and like invite people into all their weird customs like people don't want to partake but like they're lovely people and like a nice family like the parents are really in love oh, and yeah, they, they take really good care of their kids <laughs> oh my god i love that i love them like in um, the auction yeah which uh was inspired by a scene in the tv series oh was it i, I imagine that on television in the 60s they were slightly less horny for each other but okay. yeah yeah, well, and let's talk about, like, the cast of this movie, because I feel like that's the best part. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelica Houston plays Morticia Adams, and she is amazing. Love she her. Is. And she was nominated for a Golden Globe for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and Raul Julia plays, um, what's his name? Gomez. Gomez. Gomez Adams. Um, and they are just fantastic separately. They're fantastic together. Mm-hmm. Um and then Christina Ricci plays Wednesday Adams. Um, and like we talked about when when we watched Casper, like 
she was just like like such a role model for little weird girls yeah. you know in, in this especially like she's so dark and she is so funny i think she's the funniest character in the movie mm. i also think that she's the smartest member of the family yeah well and i think they all think that too yeah um and then there's christopher lloyd plays uncle fester the fake the fake and then real uncle fester yeah um, who else? I feel like those are all the big names. The guy from the guy who plays the giant in Twin Peaks plays Lurch. Oh, okay. I see that now. I was trying <laughs> to figure out who that was because I had originally thought about um, the guy who plays the giant in the Rob Zombie films, um, mm-hmm. but I couldn't remember what his name was. But uh, but yeah, I was trying to figure out like where I had seen his facial structure and size before. <laughs> but yes, totally. Um. Uh, yeah. So I feel like like this because I don't uh, I I like this movie but I think it's because I saw it a bunch when I was a kid like I don't is this a good movie I think it is I think it's great yeah, yeah I think so and I think I appreciate it. I you know I hadn't seen it in quite a few years so I think I appreciated it um differently you know now mm-hmm. as an adult um you know some of the jokes that like would have gone way over my head when I was a kid you know now yeah. I'm like, cracking up at yeah, and also like just being older, I I feel like I used to identify more with Wednesday Adams and and mm-hmm. then watching it now as an adult. I'm like, "Oh, Morticia, she likes to wear all black and like sleep late and is like super sensitive to the sun and has a passion for floral arrangement. Like we are the same." You know. <laughs> <laughs> I would really say she has a passion for like non-floral <laughs> arrangement though because she cuts the flowers off. Yes. <laughs> For Green's arrangement. Yeah. Um, there is also... I, like... While I was watching this, I wrote down it has a 1990s color scheme. Mm. And I don't know what that means, but I know it when I see it. Like, <laughs> this movie looks to me, like, exactly the way that, like, Casper looks. Like, the, just, like, there's certain... I, I don't know what it is. Can you guys identify this better than me? No, I... Yeah, I think that you're right. I think when you think of, um, you know, so the Adams Family, Casper, Beetlejuice, um, you know, some of the other sort of darker films of the 90s, they all have this sort of um, earthy, cool grays kind of mm-hmm. kind of color scheme. Like they they were all like color toned by the same person. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just looking through some uh, still images of it now and you really nailed it yeah they're also just like much like literally darker than a lot of other yeah movies are but something that stood out to me too um in this movie and something that I was just like so um so impressed by was the lighting design Mm -hmm. the lighting in this movie is gorgeous I mean you first see it when uh Gomez goes to wake up Morticia um, and, you know, she's lying in bed, perfectly made up, you know, with her, her hands uh, lying above her head on the pillow. And there's this light, there's this eye light on her that you see in, in vintage, you know, noir films. Um, you know, and, and if you look at Morticia, there are many uh, spots throughout the film where she has this beautiful just eye light going across her face. Um, and I noticed that the lighting, uh, you know, in, in a lot of these scenes is just so gorgeous, like... Uh, you know, lighting that I would want to photograph. Yeah. Um, and I also loved the cinematography as well. And I, I wanted to look up who actually, you know, who did direct this? Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, who uh, was a first time director on this. And um, he actually had been a cinematographer previously mm-hmm. and wound up, they went through two cinematographers before he actually just like took over and mm-hmm. shot the whole thing himself. ultimately so it makes sense yeah and I did notice that you know just the smallest you know there were a lot of opening scenes where they would show a panned out shot of the house and then you know the scene would progress but there was a you know there was one scene where the camera was just like tilted slightly like it was Mm -hmm. showing an outside shot of the the house the Adams family house and the camera was just tilted by like I don't know 30 degrees and I was like wow that tilt makes all the difference in making this a little spookier of a shot yeah it's a Hitchcock angle I think yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, um, 
Hitchcock used that yeah, a lot that to like give wide, the viewer the wide shot. Yeah, a sense of yeah. like off kilterness, which makes yeah. it seem a little more spooky. As a joke, the producer Scott Rudin, um, I as a quote unquote joke, I don't know, this seems like a real dick move to me, but he <laughs> like <laughs> let Sonnenfeld know that he was like not the first choice for being a director. Um, oh, wow. And put a different director's name on the back of his director's chair every morning on set, like including Joe Dante, Terry Gilliam, David Lynch, and uh, Rudin's <laughs> first choice, Tim Burton. Um, so, like, every morning he got to set and was reminded, like, oh, you were not my first choice to do this. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine going to work and having that be your life <laughs> at work? <laughs> Fucking real dick move, man. Yeah, he was probably just like, ah ha ha, real funny. Th- this movie reminded me a lot of Casper. Mm. Did you feel that way also, Kara? Yeah. Um, like, I think that's, it fe- sorry, what were you going to say? No, you can go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, like, we were talking about before with, like, the lighting and the colors and the, I but mean. But it also had, like, you know, like, the, the plot was also really similar, where, like, oh, yeah. there was these, like, <laughs> lawyer, lawyer con artists trying to get something from them. Yeah. They lived in a giant house that had a secret crazy basement. It's all, like, dusty and uh, neglected. Yeah, yeah. It was just, like, I mean, it was really just, like, those two things, but those are, like, big things. But I was like, oh, this feels the same. And also Christina Ricci was there. Yeah. That that definitely helps, too. Uh, the lawyer played by Dan Hedaya, who I love, also known as Cher's uh, um, dad in Clueless. And also plays yes. Nixon in my favorite historical fiction movie, Dick. Uh, I love that movie, It's too. the best. It's so good. I recognized his screams toward the beginning of the movie, and I'm like, where have I heard that before? And I remember him yelling, Cher, get in here, from Clueless. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Um, the one thing that I remember, like, the thing that I remember the most about when, when this was out, because, like, I don't remember the first time I saw this. I was 1991. I was only four. No, I was six when it came out. Math. <laughs> um, but I do remember that in like some magazine that I used to get, like probably like some Nickelodeon magazine or something, they had like a page that had like the real size of the guy who played. What do they call the hand? A uh, thing. Oh, thing. I think they Wait, had like. On. Let me just double check the. Uh, IMDb no, I think page. it. Yeah, I think it's thing. Yes, it's a disembodied hand. Hand. So they had they had like a print in the magazine of like the real size of that guy's hand, and they were like, "This is how big things hand thing really is," <laughs> and like that's all I remember from this when this was actually out. <laughs> But that's why, like, when I think of it, I'm like, oh, they were marketing this, like, hard to kids. To kids? Is this a kids movie? I don't, I mean. I don't think it is. It's it's a little dark. It's definitely a little <laughs> dark. I mean, I really have always, like, gravitated towards that sort of thing. But, like, I can, I can imagine a lot of parents seeing this and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it, if for no other reason than the, uh, the blood scene. Um... Well, the blood scene and the sex talk. Oh yeah, also that. There's a lot of like. But this is America. Sex violence and sex. We're all about it. I think it's kind of like uh, the the kind of thing where, as a kid, like you see it, and maybe if you gravitate towards the darker stuff, it's uh, you know you kind of identify and settle into like the slapstick of it. But the Mm. like the sex stuff maybe like goes over your head. It's like um, you know like older episodes of like. Rocco's Modern Life, where you watch it now and you see all of the sexual innuendos that you totally didn't recognize when you were a kid. There was sexual innuendo in Rocco's Modern Life? Yeah, there were a few. Yeah, there was like the... I can't think of anything specific right now, but you know, one episode that stands out to me was um, when, I think it was like Filbert was just saying like, naked over and over again, and <laughs> Uh, and like, I think he was secretly filming Rocco, like walking around his house naked. And that's probably not the best example, but there were, there were some things in there where I see it now and I'm just like, Whoa, watch this when I was a kid. Oh, that Uh, makes me want to go back and rewatch that. Yeah. I'm surprised no one's picked it yet for this show. I know. 
Yeah, it's been we a did few do years. Um, what did we do? Ren and Stimpy, mm. which also is full of all sorts of inappropriate <laughs> things for children. Um, did so? Did the Adams family? Um, do we know anything about how long this family has been around? Like, do they adhere to the same timeline as the rest of the world? Um, because the the reason I ask is. Um, they they're so worldly they're so classy like um and it kind of reminds me of you know and, and all the stuff that they have around their house all of these antiques um it kind of it kind of reminds me of you know like the classic you know like kind of kind of vampire where they've been around so long they've collected so much information like they know everything about everything um is it ever mentioned in the tv show or the comics like how long this family has been around you mean the the actual like nuclear family or their family line? Like their family, their family line, or maybe yeah, maybe just the actual nuclear family. Yeah, that I don't know. Um, but there is a scene in the movie right after the after the play where uh, Wednesday's teacher is talking to Morticia about um, like a show and tell that she did that she brought in yeah. a picture of one of their ancestors, Calpurnia Adams. Um, yeah. And Morticia explains that it was her great aunt Al Calpurnia. She was burned as a witch in 1706. So we know like the family line at least dates back to then. Um, that she, They say she danced naked in the town square and enslaved the minister. <laughs> and the teacher says, really? And she's like, oh yes, but don't worry. We've told Wednesday, college first. <laughs> Which is like definitely one of my favorite lines in the movie. See that that and that's like why I like them because they're like in some ways seem willing to adhere to the rules of the regular world mm -hmm. because they appear to want to f not fit into it. That's not the right word, <laughs> but they want to play nice with everybody, but they want to be themselves also. Yeah, I thought of them as like having the same life timelines as regular humans, mm -hmm. but like they're they're like family line is really really long and really like they kept good history of it like like, like a different version <laughs> no, I like I feel like a different version of the Adams would just be like some like you know snooty rich waspy family you know that just like yeah. takes a lot of pride in their family line and to right. that point um the telegraph described the Adams is as one of the most iconic families in American history up there with the Kennedys. Similarly, Time Magazine compared them, to, um, compared the relevance and the cultural reach of the family to those of the Kennedys and Roosevelt's, so much a part hmm. of the American landscape that it's difficult to discuss the country's history without mentioning them, which is a bit of a reach. And like in, <laughs> in, in these situations, they're talking about like the Adams family as like a fictional family. Um, in like and the influence that they've had on American culture in the real world, but I think, like in the world of the Adams family, it would make sense that they, that their family would be like kind of in the same ilk. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Christopher Lloyd a little bit. Okay. Mm. I feel like this was like like prime time for him, like. I, that, and like so it feels like he's a big part of my childhood and he's mostly he's kind of gone since 1995 maybe but like he was in Back to the Future obviously and then this and between like those two things and like Camp Nowhere like I f it feels like he was in like everything that I watched even though he obviously wasn't <laughs> He is he in the family Adams Family Values too? Yeah, I think so. I haven't yeah. seen it in such a long time. He his facial expressions in this movie were just perfect. They were so maniacal. Like I remember when he was um, he had his hand on the lawyer's neck against the wall and he was kind of twisting him around. Like uh, his facial expression was just so much joy but so much insanity at the same time. <laughs> like I loved it. So over the top. I loved it. Did you know that Sir Anthony Hopkins actually turned down the role of Uncle Fester Ooh. and instead went and made Silence of the Lambs? Wow, okay, so everything That's worked out. That's probably a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I like, so they made another Adams Family movie in 1998, mm -hmm. I think. And it was like 
direct-to-video. It wasn't, like, theatrically Ooh. released. Well, it was um, a TV, like a made-for-TV. The one with Tim mm. Curry. Yeah. Yeah, so that one was with Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah that was uh, made-for-TV. What did Tim Curry, who did Tim Curry play? I think Gomez. Oh, nice. Yeah, the that. only the only uh, person who returned was the giant. Okay. Um, but I I saw a photo of like the you know the new cast the nineteen ninety eight cast and I actually like felt angry. I was like it like it looked to me like it was just like like a group of people wearing Adam's family Halloween costumes. Like I was like <laughs> you're not Morticia and like you're not like because like I just I can't see them as anybody else except for the original cast. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at it right now, and you're definitely correct. I mean, it's just so weird to see Daryl Hannah with dark hair. Um, yeah, all of it just looks a little a little off. And I think it was also probably a lower budget thing, so yeah. it truly just also doesn't look as good as the original. Yeah. I don't know. I buy Tim Curry as Gomez Adams. I'm going to look at it again. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I, I, I would be okay with that. But Morticia, however... Um, I think Angelica Houston is just so perfect for the role. Like, her long face, her beauty, like... So I couldn't imagine anybody else. Yeah. Well, she actually... Read, what were you going to say? I read something somewhere where she was like, they should have asked Cher to do this. Or she was like, I just assumed they would ask Cher to play this part. <laughs> yeah. I was well, like, I, oh, yeah. Cher did want to do it. I don't know what happened that she wound up not doing it. They also wanted to get... Um, the woman who played Juliet in the Zeffirelli version of Franco of uh, Romeo and Juliet from the sixties, mm. who was also in like It and a bunch of other weird horror movies, um, and then somehow Angelica Houston wound up taking the part. Um, but they actually, I didn't realize this. They gave her like fake eye lift and like neck tuck oh. just to like accentuate her features and like make her face look that much more kind of cartoony um so they had like weird like tape taping her eyes and her face back um and she also had to wear like a metal corset which i didn't notice in the movie just because she's like draped all in black like you can't really see her like hip to waist ratio so i feel like that was unnecessary Well, but it also does, I bet it also made her, she moves pretty stiff in the movie. Yeah, that's true. fits the character well. Yeah. So I feel like that would have had something to do with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, But she said that, like, um, by the time the afternoon came, she was just, like, so uncomfortable and, like, would have a terrible headache, but she couldn't lie down or rest because of the corset, which sucks. Uh, Interestingly... She drew uh, inspiration for her portrayal of Morticia Adams, not from the series, but from watching Grey Gardens, the documentary about Edith and um, little Edie, (laughs) who uh, respectively are the aunt and cousin of Jackie Kennedy. See, that goes back to my theory of the Adams just being like any other rich family. (laughs) She's just the matriarch of a fancy family. (laughs) I would love to see Grey Gardens. I've only seen the parody. Uh, <laughs> Which is so good. Like Fred Armisen. And, I laughed yeah. so hard. Yeah. When he talks about now. the sweatpants on his head. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Honestly, like you don't need to see the original Grey Gardens. Like, they nailed it. It's so good. <laughs> and at least that that version is, like, funny. And the original one is just kind of, like, sad and weird. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking up screen caps from it right now. So... Uh, Uncle Festering, uh, Uncle Festering, Uncle Fester powering <laughs> a light bulb with his mouth is a reference to the original series where he did the same thing. And recently, I got this pin um, from an illustrator named Sabrina Alahi that has like Fester on it with the light bulb in his mouth, and the light bulb is glow in the dark. It's amazing. I love it so much. And it says uh, Fester means to rot. <laughs> <laughs> I, there is one part in this where 
the one of the con artist ladies is trying to break into the house and like the trees start to like grow out of the house and like capture her mm-hmm. and it looked it looked exactly like what happens in um, Evil Dead, but then mm. the tree rapes the lady in Evil Dead, and that didn't happen here. But I'm it was just it like that part so. Out. It was so close that I was like, "Oh, she was." They so, had to know what this looked like. Yeah, she was so calm about it too. When uh, when like Lurch found her, what seemed like a few hours later, she was still wrapped up in the tree. And Lurch was staring at her, and she was just like, don't don't stare, just come on, get me out. Like, she was so calm about it. Like, and e- even when the vines were wrapping around her legs, she was like, oh, okay, okay, just, okay, you're taking me now, okay. I don't know how she wouldn't have been screaming her head off. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. It, like, very calmly. Yeah. She, I, she made me laugh a couple of times too when she was trying to manipulate Fester. So she was the, the con artist. There was three of them. No, two. There was well, two of them, and the the older woman who is supposedly, well, okay. So there's like four people, but only two people, right? Because like there's Fester and there's the guy who is allegedly pretending to be Fester, and then the older woman who is like allegedly his mother slash she pretends to be this doctor who's found Fester who got trapped in the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she was the fake slash real Fester's mother. And, but, and so she like, she like had this control over him um, and that's how she got him to fake being Fester. But there was a couple of times where, like, the way that she manipulated him was, like, so dry and so sarcastic, it made me laugh out loud. I thought she was really funny sometimes. She was very, like, very Lucille Bluth. Mm-mm. Sometimes. And then she just kind of sucked. Yeah, my, my heart broke a little bit when she slapped Fester. And then she said, look what you made me do. I was like, oh, Fester. Oh, Cece, I think that's funny. <laughs> I mean, in the context of the movie, like, that's right. not funny. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did like it. She was she was super dramatic. And I, I did like it when they were sitting in, I think, what was Fester's bedroom. And she kind of sat in a chair and she looked up in the corner. She put her eyes up in the air and she, you know, she's like, oh, well, poor old me. I'm guess I'm, I'm just your mother and you don't care about me. And. You know, and Fester got on his knees and he was like, no, no, no. She was, I, I liked how classically dramatic she was. Yeah. So do we know, so another thing too, um, the Adams Family house, do, I, I had trouble telling in some of the shots, some of the exterior shots, um, was that house a, a, a miniature when we saw it, you know, the, the, the panned out exterior shots or was it actually a, like a, a constructed set? No, I think it was a, a fully constructed set. Um, I don't know. It was actually uh, shot on the same soundstage where the original TV series was filmed. Um, How about that? But they did like build the whole house. Yeah, that's awesome. I would I would uh, live in that house in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, me too. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. It's so spooky. I love it. Um, Charles Adams, the illustrator who did the original cartoons, were first uh, inspired by his hometown of Westfield, New Jersey, oh. uh, which has lots of ornate Victorian mansions and archaic graveyards. So, Yes, definitely something. I live in uh, California, uh, and I'm originally from the East Coast, so um, that kind of thing, those, those you know, really old houses, really old cemeteries is something I really miss about the East Coast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just you know history isn't quite as quite as old here when it comes to the cemeteries. Um, so, but yeah, so watching this movie makes me feel a little cozy because I have such an affinity for those kinds of things that I miss. Yeah, East Coast spooky. 
Yeah, I remember, I think when, <laughs> when you and I were kids, we used to go to cemetery every once in a while. I remember when we went there once with Achilles and my dad, and I remember my dad being like, like, hey, kids, it would be really funny if you, you know, laid on these graves and crossed your hands over your chest, and I'll take a picture. And we were just like, no, don't do that. So you wonder why I am the way I am. So Yeah, I, th- I think we were already like that, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were born with it. Yeah. Well, you have um, hanging in your bedroom one of my favorite embroideries. Uh, I didn't choose the spooky life. The spooky life chose me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have that. I have like a few skulls and bones hanging up in various places. And yeah, I love that stuff. (laughs) So, um, but I've definitely been slacking. You know, it's, it's, it's October, it's Halloween month. I, I usually go pretty hard all month, but I, I definitely have been slacking. Um, I haven't watched too many spooky movies this month yet. Well, I'm doing double duty for you. I've watched, uh, so okay, this isn't particularly spooky, but I did rewatch most of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, <gasps> which by the way is fantastic. I can't believe that you're saying that. I, like, I just don't remember that show being good. <laughs> no, it is really good. Uh, it's it's really good. And I actually, last night I just started uh, American Horror Story Coven, which has a lot more like rape and racism than I'm comfortable with. But yeah, um, I watched that once and like stopped watching it, and then watched it again with my roommates. It, it's it's so over the top. It was definitely. I got through it, but only because other people and I were, like, yelling at it while we were watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm not thrilled with it, but there is this episode where the girls, um, two of the girls, uh, try to assemble the perfect boyfriend from body parts of <laughs> frat guys who have been killed in this bus accident, um, which really rang a bell for me because I had just recently watched Sabrina in one of the first few episodes her aunts actually like bake her the perfect date for a school dance with like this mando that they have and I was like wait a minute is this is this a reference to Sabrina the Teenage Witch (laughs) which is really funny Um, I totally remember that episode yeah and in that episode it was Brian Austin Green of Beverly Hills 90210 (laughs) who winds up being her date which made me laugh really hard. There's a lot of really great cameos in Sabrina. Wasn't uh, wasn't a boy band on Sabrina? Like oh, Backstreet probably. Boys or NSYNC or something? Yeah, I'm sure they that, were. It was right that, in that time frame. Yeah. Like, that show was definitely right in the sweet spot of uh, 90s fashion. That was, like, the later 90s, right? The, like, 97, 96, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet spot. Sweet spot. Love the fashion. Uh, debuted the same night as Clueless, the TV series. Ooh, I remember that too. <laughs> I remember that too. Which but fun I... fact: the Adams Family 1991 movie came out the same day as An American Tale, Five Goes West, and Beauty and the Beast. Uh huh. So did you did you see Adams Family in theaters? I have no idea. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. I can't remember either. Yeah, I can't remember either. I can't. We were too young to see it in theaters. Not necessarily. I mean, I definitely saw Beauty and the Beast in theaters, I think. But that's a different kind of movie. Yeah, but this was like marketed as a children's film. <laughs> I'm looking up right now what it was rated. I'm going to guess like PG-13. It, it could have been PG-13. Let's see. Oh yeah, it was PG thirteen. Yeah, okay. it was PG thirteen. So I and probably so my, didn't. The first PG thirteen I movie I saw was Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> which which came out the same time as Adam's Family Values. It mm-hmm. came out the week after Adam's Family Values, so I definitely didn't see this in the movie theater. I just I feel like I like that that blood scene. I feel like <laughs> I remember watching that in the theater, but I, I, maybe not. I don't know. Probably not. I know that we mentioned it earlier, but the the Thanksgiving scene totally stuck out to me uh, when Kara mentioned, um, you know, watching The Addams Family for the podcast. uh, The Thanksgiving scene totally stuck out to me. And I I was also, 
I also thought that it was just in the first Adams Family movie because that's when when she mentioned it. That's what I thought of immediately. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was probably. I'm gonna guess that movie was also PG thirteen, but that was probably one of the more like, more violent values. scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, Mercedes McNabb, who is the actress who plays like the kind of blonde-haired little bitchy girl mm-hmm. in Adam's Family Values, is the Girl Scout selling cookies in this one. Oh. Yeah, I feel like I remember that line from the. Tra- I remember two lines from the trailer. It's Wednesday Adams going, "Are they made of real Girl Scouts?" <laughs> <laughs> and and where oh god, there's like something that Gomez yells. Uh, I can't remember what it is anymore. Well, Mercedes McNabb also played Melody on Buffy, so that's completely unrelated, but. <laughs> but also love Buffy. Yeah. Just recently rewatched the entire series. I did too. It's so good. <laughs> it is. But I'm definitely going to be uh, rewatching Sabrina sometime. Now that you've put it in my in my brain, and I'm going to watch Adam's Family Values soon too. Yeah, I was going to watch it last night, and then I decided not to because I didn't want to confuse my brain before True. we did this. Um, Something that I noticed about Adam's Family was that there was, like, a surprising amount of product placement, I felt, like, for a movie from 1991. Like, this might what? be I the didn't very beginning. Any. What was it? Uh, well, there were several things throughout the movie, but I didn't actually start paying attention to it until that scene with the Girl Scout, where, like, right behind her is this giant tombstone pizza billboard oh wow which is is really appropriate and actually very funny like gag but there's also (laughs) like in the rest of the movie after that because that's towards the end there's like a fedex product placement and tricks the cereal um Hmm. and there was definitely stuff before that i just didn't write it down i didn't notice that at all yeah Um, i'm usually good at that i didn't either do you uh okay so do you remember the uh the hotel that they were staying in Mm-hmm. Um, and how Gomez totally crumbled into like a, a you know sitting in his TV chair all day you know like uh, like knowing the TV schedule by heart. Did you notice that there was there was one scene where they uh, they showed the outside of the hotel and kitchens? It's just one thing that stuck out to me. It was like you know color TV, air conditioning, kitchens, but kitchens was spelled K I T C H I N S. Oh, really? <laughs> I felt like that was a really fun little detail to just, like, bring down the class of the hotel even more, to just, like, put that point across, like, this is this is not a place where the Adams family, you know, belongs. Yeah. Um, I hated seeing Gomez like that. And Yeah, I far prefer his um, going down into the basement and blowing up trains. to the despair that he feels in the motel I think they were in the kitchen or something and they heard Gomez in the basement you know with his trains and Morticia's just like oh no Gomez is playing with his trains (laughs) but speaking of the hotel when you know Morticia she went back to the house to to try and settle things with Tally um, I forgot how much Thing was actually like a real hero Mm-hmm. In that scene where he like he left you know he left to find Morticia, he saw what was going on and then he you know he dodged traffic like a little squirrel to try to get back to the hotel, <laughs> and it was hilarious when he kind of he he kind of I think I think he jumped up in the air, thing jumped up in the air to avoid a car or something, and for the second that he was in the air he kind of uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this because he's just a hand. But he he put him he put himself into the like the like the thumbs up position like he was like a hitchhiker <laughs> like just like that one little thing he like jumped up put his thumb up and then you know went back down but then he did end up like hitching a ride on a bumper or something and making it back so I thought that was really I, I thought that I was impressed by how expressive yeah a hand could be you know like he's trying to communicate to Gomez with sign language Morticia's in trouble Gomez isn't getting it. So then he tries uh, Morse code on the table. Gomez gets it, and then the hand uh, thing just kind of flops on the table. Like, okay, finally he got it. Okay. Yeah, that's some good hand acting. It was yeah. really good hand acting. I thought it was a very nice hand too. It's very nice hand. <laughs> very nice clean hand. He was also the hand in Idle Hands. <gasps> that's so funny. That's awesome. It's- 
It's hilarious that there could be more than one movie where you just play a hand, but there is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's another one I would love to watch soon. Yeah. Oh, oh. That's so funny. I re- like, that was another one that was, like, marketed very, like, obviously we're older um, when that one came out. And that was, like, yeah. marketed so heavily on MTV and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Because Devin Sawa? Yes. Oh, was he in Devin that? Devin Sawa. And that's Seth Green. Seth Green. Yeah. Oh. Seth Green. Seth Green's still 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 out there doing stuff. Yeah, Devin Sawa kind of uh, disappeared along with like Katie Holmes and you know all those other like late '90s teen heartthrobs. Katie Holmes is still doing things. Yeah, yeah. I, guess I haven't seen her in a while. She was just in that movie about Jackie Kennedy, right? Oh, or was okay. that no? Maybe that was somebody else. Mm, no, she's definitely I don't think doing things. She was in that. No, that was uh, Natalie Portman. That oh, okay. Was Natalie Portman. I think Katie she would, been she a did another choice. thing where she played Jackie Kennedy. Oh, okay. Um, like a TV show, maybe. Yeah, I mean, she's kept a pretty low profile after like the whole Tom Cruise thing, but I think that's mm. like more for her safety than anything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is unfortunate and terrible, but I can't really look at Tom Cruise the same way. Oh no, I definitely can't. Oh. Same with a few others, like uh, Mel Gibson, and, right? Mel Gibson? Is that the oh, one? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, flipped out, and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a rabbit hole for another time. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a yes. big rabbit hole. Um, according to the film, the family credo is... Oh, so this is um, part of our recurring segment, Kara says things in other languages. Uh, <laughs> their, <laughs> their family credo is sick... Gorgiamus allos subjectatos nunc, which is like fake Latin for we gladly feast on those who would subdue us, which is a great, great family credo. I like that. Yes, it is. I, I was actually looking up that that stood out to me. And, and so I decided to look it up and I actually saw a few people um, on message boards getting into arguments over how incorrect the, the Latin is. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm so glad I don't care that much. Um, (laughs) A little bit of um, a Keanu Club connection. The Adams Family, uh, their first animated appearance was on the third episode of Hanna-Barbera's new Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, Hanna-Barbera is the same production company that produced the first season of the Bill and Ted animated series. And also... Um, was where the guy who did Ren and Stimpy got its start. Hmm. Yeah, that's who made like all the cartoons before Nickelodeon. Pretty right? much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not all of the cartoons, but like, like most a lot of, of the them. cartoons, including Casper, I think. Like one, some of the cartoons in like the fifties and sixties. The um, the kid who played Pugsley is the older brother of Ariel Winter from Modern Family. Oh, no shit! Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because he, like, doesn't seem to act anymore. No, he doesn't. Everything I read about him says he quit acting and works, like, behind the scenes now. Oh, good for him. But he comes from an acting family. Like, both of his sisters are actresses. Like, but his, like, so they have one, he's the middle one. And so he has one older sister and then Ariel Winters, who's much younger. She's only 19 now, I think. Yeah. And she actually, like, got emancipated from their parents. Yeah, so it was their older sister who had custody of her, basically, mm-hmm. when she was, like, 12. Uh, who played, uh, what's the name of the man who played Gomez again? Raul Julia. What else has he done? Uh, he was in the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, he actually died in 1994, like, a year after Adam's Family Values. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, from complications of a stroke after, like, a series of health issues um so yeah he was in street fighter he was in what else he was like a broadway actor yeah he did a lot of stage stuff um but also had like a pretty long film career as well before the mostly i feel like he was like very very well thought of although like before our time so Mm -hmm. i haven't seen him in almost anything except this and street fighter right 
He also, right before he died, made a movie called The Burning Season, the Chico Mendez story, um, which was very well received. I think he won like like a posthumous Emmy for that and some other stuff. He's great, though. I, I would actually go out of my way to like watch more movies that he's been in. Yeah, he's I really agree with good. you. Um, uh, one of you mentioned he was like a, a Broadway, Broadway actor, um, and mm-hmm. I, I think maybe at least in the Adams family, or maybe it was just the character he was playing, but he did seem like a, a like a more classically trained mm-hmm. um, actor, and and I did love the way that he was able to make his voice carry. He had such a, a grand he he at times he had such a, a like a a grand presentation of his lines. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's fun about this movie is like with if if the actors in it were less good than they actually were, like that kind of thing could have come off as like really cheesy and yeah. like mm-hmm. not not fun to watch, but like they go for it so hard and are so good at it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, boisterous. Everybody's pretty boisterous except for uh Morticia and and Wednesday, Wednesday. and yeah. Pudsley. You know, Morticia is so soft-spoken. Uh, Wednesday is so soft-spoken. Um, and I also, I thought it was adorable that, you know, Morticia has these these long red nails and Wednesday has these little, also has some uh, bright yeah. red nail polish on. But I did notice there was a, there was a scene where they had like, um, they had a ball or something in their, in their, in their house and Morticia was playing the violin while uh, Fester and Gomez danced. And I was like, how's she playing the violin with those long nails? I noticed that. But, uh, but yeah. I don't think you referred to them as soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're as soft-spoken as they are just well-timed. Like, they they don't talk that much. But when they do, it's to say something really important. It's yeah. to say the exact right thing. Yeah. I and I, I think... Wednesday Adams is really more deadpan than soft spoken. Yeah. It's not like that she's like particularly quiet. It's just the delivery of all of her lines is really deadpan. But I, I would agree with the characterization of Morticia as soft spoken. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about Grandmama at all. Yeah, um, she's cool too. She's she's the one Adams lady who's like not soft spoken. Not she's not quiet. She's she yammers a little. Yeah. And in the series, she was Gomez's mother. And in mm-hmm. this, she is Morticia's mother. Hmm. So how long did the TV series run for? What year? Do we know what year? Uh, let me reference my notes. Live action television series was 1964 to 1966. For a total of 64 episodes. Um, and then I think they did some other, like, made for, like, there was a made for TV movie too, mm. plus the cartoon, but I don't think that the cast was the same in the animated series. I wonder how well the TV series actually did in the 60s. It was black and white, right? Was it all black, black and white? Movie? Yeah, it aired yeah. on ABC. Mm-hmm. But the Munsters were on CBS, and I think the Munsters actually did better than the Adams Family did. I wonder if that's because they they were very similar in a lot of ways. I wonder if mm-hmm. it's because they had uh, they had Marilyn, the uh, on the Munsters, the daughter. I think was she a daughter or a niece or someone? She was a pretty blonde girl. Her name was Marilyn, and she lived with them. I wonder if if that extra element added to. Or maybe it was just the network, who knows. But um, but yeah, there was a lot of, definitely a lot of parallels between the families. I actually don't, I definitely watched a lot of the TV show when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. But I do remember the monsters. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I also only, I only remember watching the monsters on Nick at Night. I don't, I never watched the Addams Family. Were the monsters... And so the Adams Family and the Munsters came out around the same time, is that right? Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Morticia's maiden name is Frump. 
That's a sucky maiden name. That is yeah. a sucky maiden name. Yeah, I would want to give that up too. Hmm. I'm looking at my other notes to see if there's anything we missed. Um, what about um, when the lawyer tried uh, first tried to kind of con them into into you know getting their money, um, and you know Wednesday kind of saw right through it. Um, I couldn't tell at first if Gomez was playing dumb or if he was actually just being really trusting. Like, do you think... I think he was just being really, like... Because he doesn't seem to have, like... I don't know. I think he was just really trusting because he also welcomes Fester with relatively open arms Mm -hmm. as well. Like, he doesn't have the walls up, I feel like, that... Um, Wednesday does and even Morticia like Morticia is kind of um, suspect of um, Fester when he first shows up too right and I know that in the car I think when Gomez first kind of realizes or you know maybe it becomes a little the idea becomes a little more solidified in his head that you know this guy might be an imposter is when they're in the car coming back from somewhere and uh, Fester has the, the finger trap on mm-hmm. and he, he doesn't know how to get it off. Yeah. And Morti- Morticia, you know, she says there's a trick and she gets it off. But then when she leans back, uh, she exchanges a knowing glance with, uh, with Gomez. And I think that's when Gomez starts to kind of be like, what's going on here with this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. The character of Fester originally, or like the character of Fester's imposter, um, the, in the original script was going to turn out to not actually be Fester, but the actors all like conspired and sent uh, Christina Ricci as their um, spokesperson to the director or the writer, I, I don't know which one, um, to convince them that um, Fester, like the character of Fester should actually turn out to be Fester and not actually an imposter. Which I found interesting. I like that they sent Christina Ricci. Yeah. She was like 10 How years old. How did you say no to her? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I think that's... that's. I'm glad they changed it. I think it would have been... It would have been kind of sad at the end if he just... Wasn't their uncle, although it does make more sense in the plot. Like, you can kind of tell that they just changed it sometime in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it is a better ending. <laughs> I also like that the lawyer's uh, wife, who was obviously very unhappy in the marriage, and I think she mentioned it too, she ended up with Cousin It, and she <laughs> uh, she went from being like really spooked by the Adams family to understanding that they are good people. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, they're just really spooky, and, um, you know, she came over and she kind of accepted it and, and, and became part of the family. I liked that as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, in 2010, it was announced that uh, Illumination Entertainment, in partnership with Universal Pictures, had actually acquired the underlying rights to the Adams Family drawings and were planning to do a stop motion animated film based on the original drawings with Tim Burton set to co write and co produce and possibly direct. Um, but that was canceled. That wound up being canceled in. 2013 and then I guess instead they announced that MGM will be reviving the Addams Family as an animated film um, with a bunch of other people involved and this October Conrad Vernon has been hired to direct the film which he'll also produce along with some other people based on a screenplay written by some other people. So it looks like they are actually rebooting this already. Hmm. I feel like this is a more and more, like, everything we've done is rebooted. Yeah. Like, okay, let's think about it. Like, I mean, Casper was always a reboot. They haven't really done more Caspers, more big Caspers since that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Red and Stimpy was rebooted. Even the net, uh, they made a... Uh, uh, They did? Well, they didn't reboot it, but they did make a sequel with, like, different characters and stuff. 
For which which series? Oh, uh, the net starring Sandra Bullock. <laughs> um, I mean, we talked a lot about how they're redoing Puff the Magic Dragon. Mm-hmm. What? Oh man, we just I didn't live hear in. About that. Yeah. There's there's only nostalgia and nothing else. Yeah. I mean, they're also they also have the Rocco's Modern Life and Hey Arnold movies coming out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, Arnold hey Arnold is, is uh what did they release a trailer at Comic-Con? Um they said that they might also bring the TV show back maybe. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of I usually kind of snarl when I hear about reboots um, cuz very very rarely do I, I I respect the newer versions as much as I do the old ones, but I'm kind of I would totally be on board with the uh, Hey Arnold coming back in the movie. I'm yeah, stoked to see the movie. They haven't rebooted Pete and Pete, but the brothers Pete <sighs> do have a real life podcast together. That's like the one that I actually want them to reboot. <laughs> when was the last time you watched that Pete and Pete? We um, did an episode on it. Nice. A couple months ago, yeah. So pretty recently. <laughs> Still good. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's crazy nostalgia packed. Like, I definitely, that's another one I want to rewatch soon. Like, I want to watch the Pete's raise their kids. <laughs> I want little Pete's son to torture the shit out of him. <laughs> like he did to his parents, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I still don't think that little Pete would have a kid. I feel like he'd be living in a van down by the river. <laughs> no, I think he did better than that. I went and saw little Pete's band a couple years ago. <laughs> they are called Jaunts, and they were yeah. a good time. <laughs> They're like a funky, like, prog rock kind of band. I think he plays bass. Yeah, I think I that's, that's true. What it was. Yeah. But they actually do, like, live episodes of their podcast together, so you can... And they've done, like, a few live events where they, like, reunite the cast of Pete and Pete. Yeah. So you can still get your Pete and Pete fix IRL in nice. that way. Have you listened to their podcast? I have. It's not very good. Yeah. Doesn't, I didn't try, but I was, like, I almost thought about it. It didn't seem like it was going to speak to me. I mean, a lot of times they actually talk about the production of episodes of Pete and Pete, but mostly they're just busting each other's balls, which is, like, fun for about ten minutes. I mean, that's cute. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, okay, can we (laughs) not do this? So. Yeah, but it's nice that they still do something together. Yeah. I wonder how old they are now. I feel like little Pete's got to be in his 30s. Well, he's in his yeah, 30s, he was so. like a couple of years older than us. And then yeah. Big Pete, I think, is like hovering around 40. I guess the only thing that I didn't mention that I did write down was uh, when Gomez takes Fester down to the vault for the first time, they actually have to like get on a boat. <laughs> and uh, Gomez like rows them there, which interestingly um, is a um uh i'm having a brain fart but um in the history of like the death figure um oftentimes death acts as a boatman between the world of the living and the world of the dead um which actually i think comes originally from greek mythology there is a character named Charon or Sharon, who was a boat boatman between the world of the living and the world of the dead. So when they're traveling in that gondola, it made me think of that. That actually, same thing. Um, I, I thought of that as well when I saw that scene. The one thing that I have in my notes that we didn't talk about was like they had they had that bookcase where like the books were. Oh, yeah. When you opened them, like, whatever the book was about would, like, happen to you. Yeah. Um, And at the end, Fester uses one to, like, blow away the bad guys. And Mm -hmm. it's called Hurricane Irene. Yeah, I noticed that. And, like, Hurricane Irene was a huge hurricane a few years ago. Like, a real one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I did notice that. I would love... uh... Oh, sorry. It was a book called Hurricane Irene, Nightmare from Above. (laughs) <laughs> and like creates yeah, an actual hurricane in the house. 
What were you going to say, Jenna? Um, the the one scene where the the con lady walks in on the lawyer and he's like, uh, he's just sitting there relaxing and you can hear the sounds of the ocean and some seagulls and there's just like sun shining on his face. It would be so wonderful to have access to that when you yeah. do if you want it. I know I want that book collection. <laughs> yeah. I think that does it for Adam's family. Uh, Jenna is a photographer who you can find on Instagram at Jenna Z. That's J-E-N-N-A underscore Z-E-E. And uh, Kara, you got something to plug? I do. Uh, as you may or may not know, I am a visual artist and I have a Society6 store where you can order print-on-demand products, everything from stationary cards to tote bags, beach towels, notebooks, all sorts of stuff. Um, I actually created a collection this year for Halloween uh, called the Spooky Sisters of the Screen that features uh, Angelica Houston as Morticia Adams, uh, Yvonne DiCarlo as Lily Monster, um, Ilsa, I can't remember her last name, who uh, is the iconic Bride of Frankenstein, and also uh, Elvira. So you can find that at society6.com slash bimps. If you scroll down to the bottom of my store page, you'll see the collection there, and you can order all sorts of stuff with these ladies or other artwork that I have done. So definitely do that, because I could... I could use your your money, so give me your money. Was that a good plug? <laughs> that, that was a good plug. All right, we did it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>